1: and welcome back to the cover three podcast here on cbs sports that's barton simmons that's tom franelli i'm chip patterson it is eleven forty-eight on the east coast saturday night we are watching our uh pack 12 and mountain west picks crumble as we sit here and discuss what was truly a landscape shifting Saturday in college football. So we've got some sadness, we've got some readjustments, we've got some undefeated teams that have taken a loss, uh epic sort of comeback fashion, a lot to sort through right now. Uh, Barton Simmons, Tom Franelli, how, how are we feeling right, right now?
0: I'll be feeling a lot better if Arizona can convert this second and goal into points. As this is my last block of the week. It's our last block of the week. That only one that has yet to be settled.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I, this is a fun day of football. I'm sitting here with my glass of oat milk. Uh, you guys ever had oat milk? I have. Oh, man, it's awesome. My wife has always feed me all this healthy stuff, and I always I usually hate it. But I'm, a, I'm kind of a milk guy, and she started busting out this oat milk. And it's like drinking a milkshake before bed. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fantastic way to end the night after a big, long day of football.
0: I've tried this fancy new milk recently. It comes from cows.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that as well, actually. But that's tough to come by. Usually the kids are, take precedent on that, and I get in trouble when I drink that milk.
1: Um, the oat, oat, milk's, oat milk's a little bit hot right now. It's on the up. is it?
2: Yeah. Okay, so that's like that's sort of like a trendy thing.
1: Like it, it oat milk's the new almond milk.
2: Right. Yeah. We we did the almond milk thing. Right. And 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 now and I see oat milk in my fridge. I'm like, oh god. Yeah. What's yeah? And then I I'd check it out. And I'm like, cool. Right,
0: all right. So, almond milk, oat milk. How is it milk?
1: I don't ask questions. Yeah. that's not that's like not, that
2: is not something i'm willing to comment on
0: it's basically just liquefied oats correct or liquefied almonds that's not milk that's just yeah. nuts in liquid form
2: yeah i do wonder all my years like drinking milk at the family table growing up and how i assume that helped my bones get strong th- this isn't doing the same thing right no oh, are, you, thing. are you
1: are you going to get into the cam newton's hurt because he's a vegan conversation
2: <laughs> that sounds that sounds up my alley.
1: So, uh so what is what's the diet of Tua Tug of iloa How's that for a segue?
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so here's... Because we... I mean,
1: it's the biggest story in college football right now. It's not fun at all. Like, in terms of the things that we are excited to talk about today, Tua is not number one on the list. But, I mean, it is the thing. It is the thing we're going to be discussing every single time that we are on CBS Sports HQ. Watch it on CBSSportsHQ.com. Any kind of radio hits, any any kind of Facebook shows, anything that we've got, Tua is going to be at the center of the conversation. So, right now... All right, Barton, you first. Where where are is your head at with Tua in the Tide?
2: Okay, yes. All right, so I think any Tua conversation, and we're going to have a lot of them, it, it has to start with a lowering of the tone, a getting serious, and, and, and in an authentic way. Like, this is a really sad moment in college football that this guy, who has meant so much to the sport for the last two-plus years, who has been such a and, – and and has meant so much to Alabama. Because I think what Tua Tungavailoa has done to Alabama football is he has gripped it by the ear or by the collar or whatever and pulled it up and brought it into modern college football. And he has forced Nick Saban, this old creature of habit, this old we're going to – Grind you out and beat you up, and big people beat up little people, and and he is to, and he has demanded that he caters to this unique talent, this unique skill set of which we're not going to see every year. There's not going to be a tour every year, and so that it ends like this, I think, is is really sad and disappointing and. you know, I, there's all kinds of, um, I, I, am not comfortable, um, making diagnosis on what's, you know, how, how his recovery is going to go. No, I I don't,
1: I don't think that we're, I don't think that we in this platform that, you know, in our conversations, that's not what we would even try to do.
2: Right. So let's just assume he does recover fully, um, and plays in the NFL and has a long, healthy, prosperous career. Um, even with that said, I just, it's just a disappointing way to see his career end in college with just a, you know, a, and, and it wasn't a cheap hit, it wasn't anything dirty about it, but just, that's just, you want to see Tua go in in a style that plays, that, that, that uh, is fitting to, to, to the way he's played and to, to what he's brought to this game, how much fun he's brought to this game. So, um not to go overboard on it but i, I almost think like you got to kind of lay the groundwork there before you even dig in on the, the the sort of repercussions of the injury
0: yeah no i mean it it sucks there's really no there's no other way to put it it sucks for him it sucks for alabama it sucks for college football fans. And I mean, before we knew the severity of the injury, which is now, you know, he's, he's going to miss the rest of the season before we knew what it was, or before they'd made any announcement, I was hoping that even if it was just like another sprained ankle, I was sitting there taking the approach of just, just sit the rest of the season out. <laughs> you you got to think about your future at this point. And there's no need to keep getting banged up here before, you know, you move on to the NFL. Now with this injury, I assume that he's still going to enter the draft after this season but i I don't know we can't be sure about that at any point because i think that this really does throw the future into doubt in that perspective because while we're not going to speculate on his recovery from this or how long it's going to take we can't speculate simply because we just don't know this is this isn't like a you know minor little this isn't just an ankle sprain again this isn't even a torn acl this is an injury that you know is is not something that everybody gets and that they've you know perfected the recovery from so it's going to be really really vital to see what happens there and i just hope everything's okay and i also hope that maybe like there was a lot of reaction to the injury of people being mad at nick saban for tua still being in the game at that point and I understand that we have this natural reaction to look for somebody to blame when something right. like this happens because it makes us feel better about the situation and that it makes us feel like we actually have control over these types of things. But it's a football game and a football player was playing in a game in which players get hurt to it was not the only Alabama player to get hurt. No, I haven't. I haven't heard anybody complaining about Nick Saban playing other guys in this game. When players get hurt, that's just part of playing the sport. So don't try to find somebody to blame. Just realize that it's something that happens and that it sucks and just hope that everything works out for the best in the end. And as far as this season is concerned, I, I have a hard time thinking Alabama is going to be in the playoff now. So if we want to look at it from that impact, that it's huge that way too.
2: So I, I want to touch first on the, and, and Chip, let me know if you have an opinion on this too. So like the the Knicks say, like, because people are like, I'm, I, man, I don't know. So some of these sort of, and I'm not going to name names, but like some of these n- national media, like college football analysts, I guess, our equivalents, uh, the, some of the more, uh, <laughs> yeah. rock, you know, are you going to pig latin
1: like, their name now? Like, are you just? <laughs> no, go- but it's <laughs>
2: like these guys that say like. Oh, like why did like what would what are you doing having him in? Like how can you not how can you not taking him out? You're up by whatever point, like like you know what? Like a pretty normal operating procedure is to pull your starters at halftime. Like it's not crazy to have had him in until halftime.
0: Yeah, and that's the other thing too, because like it's not like Nick Saban doesn't have a long history of pulling his guys in games when they're done. It's not, you know what I mean? This is just. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah, this isn't like Nick Saban's fatal mistake here. Now, yeah. now here, here here's the thing that I would say, if if you want to criticize Nick Saban, and I don't to really say Nick, criticize. It, it it doesn't merit criticism, but I think it's a it's a it's a philo- philosophy that you can nitpick if you want to and, and and if you were a head coach, choose to go a different way. But Nick Saban has a, a, a sort of this philosophy and like, you know, when, he snapped a couple weeks ago when a reporter asked, you know, do you plan on uh, getting Talia some reps in the game against Arkansas. And he was like, I- I'm playing. on winning the game. We're going to do whatever we can to win the game. And, and, and we're going to play who we have to play to win the game because this is the most important game this week or whatever. And that's that makes all the sense in the world to take that approach. And that approach typically means if a guy like Tua is healthy, you play him. And I think the only – if you want to nitpick anywhere on this subject, you could, you could say, look, coach – you're going to beat Mississippi state and you're going to beat Mississippi state with Mac, Mac Jones and give two of the week off. You, he please played and he's capable of playing here. But if he continues to get this, this uh, ankle healthier, then he's going to be more comfortable, more confident. The rest of his body is going to be uh, more in tune and, you know he will be less injury prone across the board, so it might benefit you to do that. And and Nick Saban probably is reluctant to to sort of t- make those sort of concessions, and probably is is more prone to just say he Tua can play, we're gonna play him because that's our philosophy. We're just th- that w- we're a, one game at a time. You know we're gonna be the best version of ourselves, and, and and so I think if you're gonna nitpick anything, like yeah maybe you can. take a different approach if that was if that would be you like that's fine with me if you want to say that but to, to just sort of say like nick saban is in the wrong here or to take that hot take on the twitter machine is i'm i'm not feeling that
0: i and to counter that and i know that's you're not making the argument but if you are going to say that hey you could have just not played him this week against mississippi state because you didn't need him well, I hate the assumption that Nick Saban is the only person who has a say. Yeah, what about Tua's
1: agency in this?
0: And yeah. like, and like, Tua's a 20-year-old man. He wants to play yes. football. Right, I think right. he should have a choice in the matter. And also, if you sat Tua this week and you were saying that, well, you know, we just want to get him healthy, you're saying, well, we played him last week and he wasn't healthy. So, like... That's just something that people will turn on. Wow. So you put, his, you put your need to win the game over your player's health to win. So it's like if he was healthy enough to play last week, he's healthy enough to play this week. You can't just play a guy with fear that he might get hurt one day because every single player on that field might get hurt on any single snap. So if you're going to play a fear of a kid getting hurt, then don't play the game, period. Just let's get rid of the sport.
1: Hey, we like, uh, we like context, right? Context is normally sometimes good. Who knows? Um, it, when I think about Nick Saban, and correct me if, if I might be misguided here, you, despite all of his rigid rigidness and some of the curmudgeon, uh, you know, industrial crushing, you know, everything else that sort of gets applied to him, robotic, with a little bit of negative, in my experience from covering Nick Saban, I have always believed that he really loves his players, and he really does care for uh, the well-being of the football players that are coming through Alabama. There are other college football coaches who I have um, doubted where their level of concern <laughs> for student athlete well-being is. You know, I've I feel like there there are those personalities as well, and so with context, I just don't think that. I just don't think that Nick Saban is out here playing fantasy football, deciding to start Tua, you know, as like a little click. I mean, this is a fully, um, you know, all ev- all the decision makers involved, including, hey, Tua, how do you feel? That was the whole mix-up going into pregame where Todd McShay is on game day being like, I don't think Tua is going to start. And all the Alabama beat writers are like, well, he took first team reps with on this warm-up, but second team reps on this warm-up, the coaching staff sent him out there, warmed up. How do you feel? You feel good? Cool. Let's go. It sucks. It is uh, very, very disappointing. But I, I think for the same reasons that I think that Tua had some agency and when he was going to play and when he felt good enough to play, sort of his own attitude about all these things, and everything that uh, he's done to sort of battle through injury along the way in his college career – makes me think that he's going to be fine. It might take a long time. This is going to be a really, really tough recovery process, but the person, Tua Tagovailoa, and sort of his attitude that he brings to college football from what I've observed, makes me think that he's going to be all right in the long run.
0: I hope he Agreed. is.
1: Um, Alabama. I mean, do you just... If Alabama wins out and goes 11-1 and without two in the lineup, it's kind of hard to imagine the selection committee putting them in the top four and then we have this weird situation where they're just going to have to find a spot to slot them, right?
2: So, Mm -hmm. all right. All right, so they're going to win next week and they'll win by 100 or whatever.
1: Hey, the Catamounts might show up and, you know, not lose by 70.
2: (laughs) So then you got Auburn and Auburn now has – They've beaten Oregon. They've lost to Florida, LSU, and Georgia. All three of those games have been winnable games for them. They have acquitted themselves as a legitimate uh, spoil, Not not spoiler alert. Like just like a legitimate top ten killer. I mean, a, a team that's capable of playing with the best in the country and you're telling me that if Alabama with Mac Jones at quarterback wins by 20 that they they don't they don't have a chance
0: I mean I think it depends what happens elsewhere right. I just think that if they don't win the SEC, like they they need LSU to lose, they need to get to the SEC championship because I think that if the committee is going to take a second SEC team, it's not going to be in Alabama without Tua yeah. because with you, whether we're talking about resumes or brands or you know even if you know TV appeal, all that kind of stuff, Alabama without Tua is just not going to be an att- as attractive as it is with them, Period. No matter yeah, but- what kind of but you ultimately know, you're you want to
2: take. but ultimately you're comparing them to the field. And the field when you look at all right right like we're not talking enough about Utah and and we'll get to that later, but let's just for this argument say Oregon wins with one loss, beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. All right, so then let let's just look at that scenario. You got one loss Alabama that just beat Auburn by 20 against Oregon who lost to Auburn uh, one loss Alabama against an Oklahoma team that's been barely skating by every game the lat t- latter half of the season. Y- you got, I guess, I don't know who the second team in the Big Ten would be, but, you know, it's are they better than Alabama? Like, I just think that you're not going to take a two-loss Georgia over. So I just think the, the you're still looking at flawed resumes everywhere. So I'm not going to sit here and preemptively make the case for like you know we've are we we talk about this chip as like a pet peeve of like everything has to be about the playoffs so there's there's no need for me to um sort of game out everything that can happen but i, I just think the idea that alabama now with a gone is somehow out is I, I think that that's that's i'm not ready to go there yet because ultimately it's about what you look like in, on the field and if alabama looks really good and if if but, Dude, that's, you, but
1: that's gaming out even a 20-point win against an Auburn team that might be just feeling blood in the water. Like this, Auburn could win no, the game. Oh, for sure. Yeah yeah, 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 No, I know. Yeah. I know,
2: but that's my point. My right. My point is that if, like, so you're, which, so I guess the there's two questions. Like, is Alabama <laughs> capable of beating Auburn with Mac Jones? Or you know, yep. the second question is, if, if, if Alabama beats Auburn with Mac Jones, are they a playoff candidate? I'm saying if they look really good, and that's possible. If they look really good and beat Auburn with Mac Jones, I still think they're a pretty appealing playoff contender.
0: But let's let's play out that scenario then. Let's say Alabama looks good, beats Auburn by 20, Oregon wins out, beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Alabama is a non-conference champion whose best win is over an 8-4 and four Auburn team who did beat Oregon, but Oregon is a 12-1 and one team that won its conference and just beat a Utah team that's likely 10-2 and two at that point and is probably in the top 10. So resume-wise, Oregon has the better win. It's won its conference. Its starting quarterback is healthy. I don't see the committee taking Alabama over that team.
1: I think that Oklahoma at twelve and one gets in over Alabama eleven and one. even if every Oklahoma win from here to the end of the fourth quarter in Dallas on December seventh is another go down twenty eight to three come back and win by a field goal.
0: Yeah, I think Alabama, logically, if they went out and they beat the hell out of Auburn in that finale, they have an argument. It's just Tua's injury is going to
2: be the tiebreaker.
1: Right, and that's where you... It's a convenient does, excuse. Does the,
2: does the comi- are you saying it's going to be a tiebreaker subconsciously, or does the committee no. actually have... Oh. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. The committee says their-
1: expressly, <laughs> we take injuries into consideration, mm-hmm. and when they yeah. say we take injuries into consideration, it means if, you, uh, you know, if, if you're Clemson and you lose because... Kelly Bryant got knocked out of the game um, in the second quarter. That that's taken right. into consideration, but it's also taken into consideration as in the team that we're picking for the playoff is a team that we want to go send to compete for a national championship. And if we're trying to decide between one lost teams, one of these teams has their starting quarterback in a conference championship, the other one has no starting quarterback, no conference championship. That you're just going to end up losing that tiebreaker.
2: All right. Yeah. Well, then let me just let me ask you this then. So are you are, are, are y'all of the opinion then that Utah slash Oregon and Oklahoma is a better team than Alabama, Mac Jones?
1: Yes. Uh huh.
2: I'm undecided on that. Man, I might be right? I, might I just be right because I'm, I'm not like convinced of that. I mean, why Oklahoma is? Even, I mean, they they. They barely beat Iowa State. They barely beat Baylor. They're, they they may not beat Oklahoma State. They may not beat Baylor the second time. Like Oklahoma, This Oklahoma team is right back to the old Oklahoma team.
1: I would take one loss Baylor over one loss Alabama.
2: I don't know, man. I, I don't, don't know, know about that. I think,
0: I think they would lean more towards Alabama in that instance. But I don't know. I mean, I, I just think that the conference championship and the Tua injury – are going to be two very large factors used against Alabama if they're comparing them to another one-loss team no matter how well Alabama plays from this point on
1: and i mean this Alabama team is so uh i look at this Alabama team Barton and i'm like man i'm i'm really excited to watch this team win the national championship in 2021 like i'm i'm looking at this Alabama team and i'm looking at all these young dudes getting burned because of injuries just Everywhere and sort of a, a whole program that's a little bit in shift from a personnel perspective, and I'm like, you know what, this team, uh, this team might lose two games, but next year's team might go undefeated, and or like the next year's team might win a national championship, and I just and and I think that it is difficult to expect that. We are going to be sending uh, the best version of Alabama to the national ch- to the college football playoff if that team is picked to be in the top four. But the reason why I introduced it as an awkward conversation is because without a doubt they deserve to be in the conversation. But you know the college football playoff selection committee is ultimately only tasked with picking the top four, but they're also tasked with ranking the top ten, and so trying to figure out where those decisions are going to be made. And then unfortunately having to answer all the questions and, and describe why they made those decisions is going to be a little complicated. Like we're going to have some major verbal acrobats going on on selection Sunday when all they could say is like, yeah, they just, they don't have Tua. So we don't think they're one of the four best anymore.
2: Well, I'll make this one last point, And then we should probably move on because man, there's a lot of good ball that we still got to talk about. But I I will allow for, and I feel like a, I'm not I'm like whatever I'm not gonna apologize. I will allow <laughs> for a team to when a team loses an elite player, point man, team leader, best player on the field, whatever. Like if when that guy goes down, I mean there are instances where. The other players rise to the occasion. The offensive line picks it up. The run game becomes special. The the defense, you know, starts to to find the urgency that it, like, you know what? Like, I, I lost on the over in that six, over 61, and it wasn't because Alabama didn't hit their their 48 that I thought they were going to hit. It was because they held Mississippi State to seven, and that was the part I didn't really calculate. And so, it, it, like, I, th- I think that it would be – I think that if – look, if you had already counted Alabama out and you're someone that believes that you got to win a conference championship to get in, then, hey, leave them out and, and keep them on the cutting room floor uh, just like you had them. But if, if you felt like Alabama was the top four team, now that two is gone, I, I just think Alabama sh- should be allowed to – A pre- chance. Like, they need a chance. Their case yeah. of we're still right. good without Tua. Okay, he was awesome, but we're still good without him.
0: Okay, fair. Cardale Jones.
2: Cardale Jones.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: But Back. to be fair, J T Barrett wasn't Tua, and J T Barrett was already the backup.
1: <laughs> I because I had it planned out in my head before uh, the injury this morning. I was like, all right, so we'll get. LSU Alabama rematch, Peach Bowl will get Clemson, Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. That'll be like Atlanta will get to sell LSU Georgia, then they'll sell LSU Alabama, and then New Orleans gets uh, Clemson LSU. How's that sound? Nice little playoff? Sure. Sounds good. All right. Mac Jones gets the win over LSU, JK. (laughs) um all right so where do you where where do you want to go next do you you want to talk about the bulldogs we spent all that time talking about alabama how about the one team that did punch its ticket to atlanta
2: Uh, let's let's i think we talk about the other like wild game of the day is the oklahoma baylor game
1: oh yeah it did just finish
2: i mean that to to me that's this that's the that's the second storyline of the day is just the I mean, the first half everyone was sitting here saying Baylor's in the playoffs and and then Oklahoma does the same thing Oklahoma always does they're down by 20. just just kick in the door and start going to work. <clears throat> I was
1: gonna say this was right out of an old Baker Mayfield playbook. There were a lot of games where uh, like a Kansas State or uh, you know somebody somebody goes up, they uh they they start you know kind of getting on them jump out to the big lead then slowly but surely Oklahoma comes storming back but you know what made it different this I felt like this time it was so different because of the way that the Sooners were just kind of playing ball control and just holding on to the rock and milking a little bit of clock and and kind of being real methodical about the way they came back. It was it was fascinating to watch from an Oklahoma standpoint, from a Baylor standpoint. Absolutely devastating uh, in every way, shape, and form. Because it's going to be real difficult as a as apparently y'all just threw the y- y'all just threw a thumbs down at one loss Baylor over uh, one loss Alabama. But uh, certainly a Big Twelve championship is still in the mix. Getting to the Big Twelve championship is still in the mix. I don't. I mean. Watching watching the flip-flop, was it truly that stunning? I mean, Tom, were you surprised by the way that that played out?
0: Well, first of all, we have to ask the question because in the Super Bowl a few years ago, Atlanta blew a 28-3 lead to the Patriots. Last week, Michigan State blew a 28-3 lead to Illinois. Tonight, Baylor blew a 28-3 lead against Oklahoma. Is 28-3 the most dangerous lead in football? without a doubt Uh, I yeah I'm shocked (laughs) that was I was shocked by the way Baylor came out in that game I was shocked by the Jalen Hurts turnover fest and I was shocked that Oklahoma came back to win simply because you feel like okay you know Oklahoma has the offense to pull it off but defensively I didn't know how Oklahoma was going to be able to come back from that deficit and get the stops that it would need. But Baylor didn't do anything. I was going to say though, against
1: Baylor, like I don't think, I think that at halftime as I was checking myself and sort of trying to decide how I thought this was going to go for work purposes, I I decided that I did not trust Baylor's offense enough to uh, not play its own role in this potential comeback.
0: Did you trust them enough to think they'd get more than 69 yards in the second half?
1: I thought there was a, I thought I mean that's very nice, but I thought that there was going to be more than 69 yards.
0: Yes. Yeah, that that was it's I think Oklahoma's defense deserves credit there and I mean they forced they also forced three turnovers in the second half, although Oklahoma turned it over two times itself in the second half. Yeah, Oklahoma turned the ball over five times and it still managed to come back to win this game. This game was nuts. And I feel like we're going to try to figure it out, what happened and what it means. And I don't know that there's anything to learn other than, holy crap, this was an insane game, and Oklahoma ended up winning in the end. It's like, other than that, I, I don't know what there is to take away.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I think one thing – and Herbstree mentioned it a little bit on the broadcast. It's just sort of like the – when it gets down to it and ultimately Oklahoma has got to find a way to to win, it just it just turns into grind ball with Jalen Hurts. And and, I, and a little bit of that I think with C.D. Lamb being out because that was my only hesita- – like my only hesitation with can Oklahoma come back from this was – Ah man, CeeDee Lamb is usually the guy making these plays. But then they, you know, then you see Theo Weese and Jaden Hazelwood and these true freshmen. And and that's part of the reason why I said this year I didn't pick Oklahoma in the playoffs. And part of the reason why was because I, I said, look, if, if they're not if they're gonna make it to the playoffs this year, like this might be the only chance that the big 12 has to catch them because they just recruited a crop of just straight out dudes that, that are all ready to roll. And, and, and some of those guys started to become that CD lamb uh, force in the second half there. Um, but, but again, ultimately it was about just Jalen hurts just pounding the rock and, and wearing that Baylor defense down. And in a way, like it, in a way it would have been like, Baylor was so prideful and was so, and it's like they were just so good on defense that Oklahoma wasn't getting their typical four play drives, but Oklahoma is still so good on offense that they're still going to score. And so it almost would have been behooved Baylor to, to give up a few more quick scores and get their offense back on the field and just sort of play with some rhythm again because, it, it, as it turned out, like they're giving up these huge long drives, just just getting paper cut to death. And then their offense is back on the field and they have the fumble and then, oh, they're not going to get the ball for another six. It's almost like playing Army or something. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, Oklahoma ran 95 plays to Baylor's 52 in
2: this game. And I feel like most of those were in the second half. The uh, second
0: half, it was, let me check, 58 to 16.
2: Yeah. So, Just
0: grounded him into dust.
2: So, I, I got a lot of respect for the Bay- way Baylor came out. Um, and, but I guess ultimately at the end of the day, these teams are, are still roughly what we thought they were. Though I, I'll be interested to see where, I think Baylor could go up in the rankings, I guess, this week. Probably will from 13. Uh, with one loss
1: do uh do y'all follow jeff schwartz yeah uh last week he told a story he played at oregon before his career in the nfl and he told a story about when he was at oregon and then i think number three or number one top three ranked usc team was coming into eugene and it was the biggest game on campus in years everybody was hyped. I want to say this probably was like, I don't know, 0708 something like that. And Oregon was juiced up, they were fired up, 13-0 first half something like that. Then USC ends up winning 42 to 13. Like Baylor was not able to like the I almost wondered if the way that, that game started was the worst thing that could have happened.
2: Right. Yeah, that that makes sense.
1: You jump yeah. out, you get hyped up, you just just kinda of blow your load a little bit, but uh
2: I don't so instead, we, instead of settling in for just like anchoring down for a for a big long fight. Like yeah. You thought you had a won. Yeah. And and you don't you can't You can't, you can't do, do that think against that. Oklahoma. against <laughs> Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, not at all. Um so it's it's interesting. Like like you said, Barton. This Oklahoma team, especially the way that Jalen Hurts has been taking care of the ball, is flawed, and it could get tripped up again. But if it ends up being twelve and one uh, at the end of the season with the Big Twelve championship, and uh, that only loss being the the lone one to Kansas State, going to be difficult to uh, to pick it apart. Uh, coming up on the other side, our reactions to the SEC on CBS doubleheader. Uh, updates on what's going on around the country right now as we record and uh, more from Week 12 next.
0: Yo, it's two-time Super Bowl champion, Bryant McFadden, also known as BMAC. Mike, check, one, two, one, two. And that's Patrick Peterson, a fellow cornerback, my cousin, and now my co-host on the new podcast, All Things Covered part of the
2: CBS Sports Podcast Network. This season, Pat will go from the football field on Sundays to the studio on Mondays to bring you the perspective of an active player at the top of his game.
0: And the name says it all. Sure, we'll catch up with Pat P on how he and the Cardinals are faring, but we'll also talk about other sports, our personal interests, and social issues. Then we'll cover even more with a prominent guest each week. With 17 years of NFL cornerback experience between the two of us, We think you'll enjoy our coverage skills. So download and subscribe now to get weekly episodes released first thing Tuesday morning. All Things Covered is available on Apple
2: Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found.
3: As one door closes, another opens. The 2020 fantasy baseball season is over, but 2021 prep is just beginning. Join Scott White and me, Frank Stample, on Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, as we take an early look at position previews, review mock drafts, and react in real time to the MLB hot stove. Not only that, we'll be welcoming in some of the best guests in the industry to try and figure out what was real and what wasn't from the abbreviated 60-game season. Listen Tuesdays and Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found.
1: So when uh, when you saw the the two sets of footprints in the sand <laughs> when Auburn when Auburn Jesus arrived into Jordan Hare Stadium, were either of y'all surprised with that one?
0: No. <laughs> I, what surprised me was that Auburn didn't complete the comeback to win the game. Uh,
2: who's Auburn Jesus? Have you? I mean, Auburn Jesus is like... You're saying just sort of like the hand of God? Just, like the just Auburn
1: Jesus. God.
0: Auburn Jesus. Jesus is clearly an Auburn man. <laughs> I mean, I don't, have you seen Auburn the last few years? The Lord loves Auburn, clearly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just just a, ge- a general reference to the um inexplicable uh results that have happened in Jordan-Hare Stadium and around the Auburn Tigers football program across I don't know the last 10 years. Worthy, would you say?
0: I this game was just odd. Here, here's a fun stat for you from some guy, I don't know if you ever heard of him, he tweeted it. His name is Jerry Hinnon. One team crossed the opponent's 40-yard line seven times in this game and scored 14 points. The other team crossed the opponent's 40-yard line three times and scored 21 points. <laughs> so Auburn, you know, if you look at the box score... Auburn, Auburn outgained
1: Georgia. Auburn, Auburn had this thing, man. They just... They uh, they blew it at the end of the first half.
0: Can can I read the Jake Fromm stat line from this one, please? Thirteen for twenty eight, hundred and ten yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions.
2: <laughs> so, all right this this one is hard for like. Uh, granted, this was a great day for football. There's a lot of games that I was monitoring. But Auburn State, Auburn Georgia stayed on my main screen. That that I never flipped from that. But I, 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 honestly, I was a little bit surprised after the game when I looked in the box score and saw Auburn had outgained Georgia by like a hundred yards. And it wasn't necessarily because I thought Georgia had had some big day offensively. I just didn't. It didn't necessarily feel to me that Auburn had had that much better of a day offensively what am i what am i missing on the flow of this game what what it all
0: happened in the fourth quarter fourth quarter georgia had two yards of offense auburn had 158 that's the entire difference right there the fourth quarter there it Just is. completely flipped everything on that because yeah i i understand exactly what you're saying because we were joking around about auburn jesus and auburn making this late push and suddenly being in a position where it could have tied the game or maybe wanted had it done something crazy and gone for two god knows it might have but at no point in this game did i ever really feel like auburn was the better team on the field no
2: not at all right. yeah that's what i was getting at too like i i i felt like georgia was the better team all game yeah and, and and then I look up and and there was Auburn that held Georgia to 250 yards and and I guess it's like oh I, I guess I guess so
0: and and when you see that you held Georgia to only 250 yards and there was only one set of footprints in the sand it was Auburn Jesus who carried you
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I I said this on HQ I, I thought one and I tweeted this 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 didn't stay in my drafts folder uh, but one the one of the key differences I felt like was like Deandre Swift. When he touched the football, it just, it just felt like that was some juice that Auburn didn't have offensively. And, and he didn't have, I don't even know what his numbers were, but he had enough of those juice plays, those explosive runs that, Felt like gave Auburn, Georgia, the oxygen it needed, to, to, to get to get the lead it had. Yeah, he uh, had what did he, he end had, up with?
0: He had 106 yards on 17 carries, but as far as the chunk plays are concerned, he had a 16-yard run, a 26-yard run, and a 15-yard run.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean that. I think that that felt like just without. I mean, look, I. Just w- like watching the flow of the game, like that felt to me like the difference.
1: Georgia's yeah, really no. good. I mean, Georgia is really, 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 really good, and its defense was gonna sit back and be totally fine with uh, like allowing Auburn to get some yards in the fourth quarter that ended up making this box score look a little bit different, but. To your point, Barton, the reason that you thought that Georgia was the better team was not just DeAndre Swift is because its defense was absolutely dominating this game early. And so it is uh, worth considering that Georgia, a team that I still, after this win, do not find to be all that impressive offensively, even with DeAndre Swift running the ball, it's just that as I compare it to an LSU, as I compare it to an Ohio State, as I compare it to a Clemson, I don't find it to be on that tier. But as we continue to, to look at the Bulldogs and spin it forward, it is worth uh, trying to sit back in the old like Nick Saban, uh, like old retro Nick Saban, sort of Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson world and say, hey, you know what? Maybe this Georgia team can win a national championship.
2: Boa constrictors don't have bad days. <laughs>
1: People love the Boa constrictor.
2: Man. I
0: I do still worry about if they get into a matchup with an, an elite offense. Like of I course, think of yeah.
2: course. Of course. Yeah.
0: But Absolutely. they're gonna go next week, they're gonna, you know, strangle the greatest seven and five team in history, Texas AM.
1: Oh, that quality but, will also get the Aggies in the top twenty for sure.
0: Aggie should be in the top 10 now. They beat the South Carolina team that beat Georgia. And uh, then they'll strangle Georgia Tech to death. And then we get to see them in Atlanta against LSU. And that is that is going to be the test for this team. Because like I just said, and like we've said all year, that if can they keep up? Can they slow down LSU's offense enough to allow their offense to keep up? And that's what we're going to need to see. If they can, they're going to the playoff. If they can't, they're not.
2: At what point do we acknowledge that LSU might not have a defense good enough to win them a national championship? Uh, now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say now. Because I mean,
2: there, there's like a – there is a, um, a barrier of entry to national championship. And look, I haven't – this is getting to be almost like Oklahoma-level defense. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma has had some national championship offenses – But the lack of national championship level defense has kept it out, and it's crazy to say it about LSU because individually, I can point to a bunch of players, and and I think that at least they're supposed to be NFL guys. That's what I'm being told. But that unit just—I mean, Ole Miss put up what they put up tonight, like a lot. (laughs) Like, let's
0: see. I know they rushed for like a thousand yards. But but All
1: right. So while you're looking it up, I understand. I like what you said about barriers because we've got all those statistics, which of course, thanks to our diligent show prep, we don't have put together right now, but where it's like uh, a a significant number, overwhelming perhaps uh, of number of national champions are ranked in both the top, maybe 10 of offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. Like there's, there is some balance and some combination where Ohio state and Clemson are there defensively and offensively. And LSU is not.
0: Are are you guys ready for this? Ole Miss had 614 total yards, but that's, that's not the, that's not the hook. Ole Miss rushed. For 402 yards, averaging 9.1 yards per carry.
2: If Mississippi State should hire Rich Rodriguez, I think I think Arkansas. I
0: mentioned it last week. Arkansas should hire Rich Rodriguez.
2: Yeah, but if Mississippi State does it. They'll kill two birds with one stone. True. Because I'm not. Because I'm telling you what. I, I i know who i'm picking for the egg bowl right now
0: yeah <laughs> going back to lsu's defense there's a part of me that wonders because you know like this defense in to me is a lot more talented than oklahoma's defense was last year so there's a part of me that wonders if there's a psyche part of it where they relax because they feel like eh, our offense will bail us out So I I wonder how much of a role that plays. But I do. I am very concerned for the same reason. I mean, I wrote a column last year about this time, maybe even earlier, where I said that I didn't want Oklahoma to make the playoff simply because I already knew how it was going to end because I knew that they didn't have a defense that was capable of stopping Alabama or Clemson or whoever they were going to play. So while they were going to score points – they weren't going to win two games in a row, so I knew they couldn't win a national title, so I didn't feel like wasting my time watching them be in the playoff. I'd rather have somebody who had a shot to win. I don't think that's the case with LSU, but I do think that, yeah, when it runs, like, I don't know, if, if, if it plays, like, if it's a number one and it plays Oregon, Oregon or Utah at number four or Oklahoma I think LSU can win that game. I don't know that I think LSU could beat Clemson or Ohio State, though, because they're going to get stops that I just don't think LSU is capable of getting.
2: So I think, this is, I think that's a, this is a real point. And people probably have a hard time believing this, but I think this is real. Look, the, the, a point that you just made. If LSU's head coach right now was Les Miles, this defense would be a lot better Not because Les Miles is a better coach than Ogeron, but because Les Miles would have the offense playing at a snail's pace and being a fullback-centric, under-center, pro-style, whatever, offense. And because of that, LSU's defense knows that every single time it gets on the field, it has got to get a stop. And it's not to say that somehow they're intentionally like not trying now when they're on the field, but I I think that's legit when, when just the football game you're used to playing gets turned into a basketball game. there's a different level of focus. And so I do think that there's some, some truth to that, but but there's, there's mean, Would y'all pick, I mean, you just answered the question, Tom, but like, I, I know LSU is ranked number one. They're probably going to stay ranked number one. But with this defense, I can't in good conscience pick LSU over Ohio State or Clemson.
0: No. I mean, right I I think that LSU is number one, and it deserves to be number one based on resume. But if you're asking me if I think LSU is the best team in the country, no. I would take either Ohio State or Clemson as the best team in the country. I think LSU's got the best offense in the country. Yeah,
2: yeah I still think they have the best offense in the country. That offense is it, it's, it's still sick. I don't know Ole Miss's defense in much, but man, Shamar Chase had two hundred twenty-seven yards on eight <laughs> catches. That <laughs> dude is sick. I will put.
1: Uh, I'll put at least a few of those four hundred rushing yards on effort.
0: Oh yeah, run defense is effort.
1: Yeah, and you know what. You're one week off of beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Mm, all right. I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll sit back and I, I won't be too critical, but the point, like the rankings that I'm looking at right now that have LSU outside of the top 25 in yards per play allowed while Clemson and Ohio State are in the top three, yeah, those... Those are calculated before uh, these results. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I think that that's a that's a very interesting storyline to track as we continue to move forward. Uh, now,
0: if, if if I'm O, they play. They they got the battle for the golden boot next week against Arkansas. I'm challenging my defense. We're holding Arkansas to single digits next week. That's that's our goal. I don't care about anything else. We're not letting them get ten. Hell, we're not letting them get anything.
1: And then Texas A&M in the finale. Don't mm-hmm. don't go to seven overtimes.
0: Yep. That's that's the one thing we are focusing on this week. We are not giving up a single damn point.
1: Uh Michigan Michigan State Fellas. I got
2: a qu- I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Rel- relative to Michigan Michigan State, if Michigan today played Wisconsin today, do you think and we'll, we'll call that in Madison. We'll, we'll, what would be your expectations?
0: I wrote in my takeaways from this game, I had a live blog and then I did the takeaways afterwards. I wrote that I think Michigan's the second best team in the Big Ten right now. I really do.
1: If you put it in Madison, I would still take Wisconsin, but that's only because of reacting to Wisconsin doing what I thought was a pretty decent job of keeping Nebraska at arm's length in Lincoln today. I give, the Badgers, I give the Badgers some points for this win after being a little bit disappointed with the way that they closed out against Iowa last week, but I understand your point, and Tom, I am leaning more towards your way where Michigan is taking on the look of one of those teams that you do not want to play in a bowl game because they are playing their best football at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I think Michigan beats Wisconsin. I don't care what Wisconsin did in Nebraska. Nebraska's bad. And I, I I wrote, since since halftime of that Penn State game, Michigan's offense has scored 141 points in 14 quarters. That over a 60-minute period is 40.3 points per game. They're allowing 15.4 points per game in the Big Ten. You put 40 points per game on the board, you're allowing 15 Outside of Ohio State, do you think Penn State's playing better than that right now? Do you think Minnesota's playing better than that right now? I think that this is just a case where we talked so much about Michigan making the changes on offense to begin the season. And there's different ways that can go. It happens like LSU where it clicks right away. It happens sometimes where it doesn't click at all. It just completely blows up in your face. And then more common than not, it takes a while to figure things out. And I think that's what happened. It took a while for Michigan to figure it out for Josh Gaddis, who was a play caller for the first time in his career, to figure things out. And I think they have figured it out. I think this team is really good right now, man. And this is, this is the team that I picked to win the division to start the year. This is the team that I thought was a possible playoff team. It's not now, clearly. But if this is the team that had showed up from week one, that Ohio State-Michigan game in a couple weeks was going to be just like the LSU-Bama game from last week. It was going to be game of the century-ish.
2: So that's an important storyline to note, and it's noted, and I agree. Uh, That said, I feel like almost the bigger storyline is just the direction that the the Michigan State program is heading. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean what 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 like what sort of expectation like i I, oh. I think it's I, I i don't i don't know where i where's my optimism here let's, no, let's no, no 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 you no?
1: we, you were we're moving on these things are swift when they yeah. you didn't you make the point when they end they end ugly
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah i, I wrote a column on it. i think my I thought my my biggest takeaway from what I like I didn't include it in my takeaways because I wanted to write a separate column on it. It was just that this is the last time we're going to see Mark D'Antonio coaching Michigan State against Michigan. And as I wrote after today, you know, like you think back to 2015, they won the Big Ten. They went to the playoff and yeah, they got smacked by Alabama in the playoff. But since the start of 2016, and this includes when they went 10 and three in 2017, Michigan State is now 24 and 24 overall. It's 15 and 19 in the Big Ten. And in the last three seasons against Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, Spartans are 3-9. and nine. This year, they're 0-3, and they were outscored 106-27. to And I, I don't know if you guys heard Urban Meyer's comments before this game on Fox.
2: Oh, I did not. I saw someone tweet about us. I know what you're talking about, but go He's, ahead.
0: He said, you watch Michigan State play. How many NFL players do they have? That doesn't look like the defenses I used to go against. They had first-round corners, Le'Veon Bell. I don't see that. That's coaches, recruiting, development. Damn, Urban. Spot spot the lie. Uh, uh,
1: Urban Meyer is uh, driving up other coaches' salaries while simultaneously getting his rivals fired.
0: Yeah, he's going – I mean – I he's going scorched earth, and I mean at least credit to him in one aspect because too many times you see coaches take these jobs and they're just they love everybody and they don't want to be critical of anybody. Ur- urban is not taking that approach.
2: Well, it's, I mean, it, urban Urban is not. He doesn't. Have, <laughs> urban doesn't have a reputation as being like. To pre- he doesn't have a reputation uh, to protect. Well, yeah, like no, no, like he's not. There's not a bunch of coaches out there that are consider themselves close friends with Urban Meyer. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he, he <laughs> no, a lot of coaches don't like Urban Meyer um, because he's a because he's a competitive guy who is not really out to make friends.
1: You're either right. in the you're
2: either you in the trust. Another kind of word that we're not going yeah, to use on the podcast right. to opponents, right? But hey, to his credit and, and I do give him credit for this, he, he I think he's competitive about everything. He's competitive about being a good broadcaster. And if you're gonna be a good broadcaster, you gotta be honest. And that means saying some things like that, which there like you said, Tom, it's true.
0: Yeah, no, he he didn't say a single lie. I mean, I I looked it up because he talked about the NFL talent from 2011 to 2016, which coincided with, you know, D'Antonio's glory years at Michigan State. They had 21 players taken in the draft, an average of three and a half per season. Of those 21, six were selected in the first three rounds. Last three years, Michigan State's had five players taken in the draft. Only two of them were in the first three rounds. And I also looked at our CBSSports.com NFL draft prospect rankings for this year, the top 100. Not a single Spartan on the list.
1: Yep. Yeah, combine that with, uh, you know, just sort of the the rampant allegations, lawsuits, and scandal that have been going on within Michigan State. And New athletic
0: director in charge.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how the language is going to be written when this ultimately goes down. But I think that if you're looking for optimism as a Michigan State fan, you're looking at uh, Luke Fickle and really glad he didn't lose to Charlie Strong in Tampa.
0: Here's a name for Michigan State. Let's say Penn State doesn't come open. Do you think Michigan State is a job that Matt Campbell would leave Iowa State for? Yes. So do I.
2: I think that's. I think that's exactly the type of job he would leave Iowa State for.
0: Yeah, It's just something to keep in mind.
1: Matt Campbell, I would think, is called before Luke Fickle.
0: I think if you're smart, he's who you call before Luke Fickle. Yeah.
1: Mm, muy interesante. Uh, all right. Well, where do y'all want to go next? I mean, we've we've spent a lot of time digging into uh, a few big topics. Any? Uh,
2: well, ho- hold on now. Because I, I still need to address uh, a good bit of disrespect the two of you have shown this week to Kinnick Stadium <laughs> and, its, and its hosting of top ten opponents. Yeah. You cannot, in fact, row a boat in a cornfield. <laughs> oh.
0: You almost could. <laughs> Cause I mean, do you, want, do you want? Did you look at the box score for this one afterwards? This was this was the Iowa special right here.
2: <laughs> well, you got. I mean, you you baking that in, man. Of course, it was the Iowa special.
0: I here's something that loomed quite large in this game, and and Iowa. Listen, they came out, they blitzed them right from the start. They took the huge lead, and then they kind of just sat on it. And we're letting themselves be in a position where they were almost inviting Minnesota to come back and win this game. But I feel it's important to point out Minnesota's kicker missed a field goal and he missed an extra point. Minnesota lost by four.
1: Yeah. Mm hmm. (laughs) Yep.
0: Iowa had, you know, I mean, Minnesota had more yards. It had a lot more. I mean, the offense was better. It's just Iowa won the game, man. And that's all that really matters. But. And also, they had six sacks, which for me was huge because Iowa's defense this year has been very good. It's been a very good bend, but don't break defense. They haven't really gotten a ton of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. That finally showed up today. They had the six sacks. A.J. Epinesa had two and a half sacks by himself. I think it was the best game he's played all Ooh, yeah, season Yeah, we
1: called him out.
0: Yeah. We, we, so we called
1: like, him out going into it. We're like, A.J. Epinesa, like after we had kind of hyped him up coming into the season – he has underwhelmed to this point, And then all of a sudden he explodes. And uh, I would imagine given the stage made himself a good bit
0: of money. Yeah. I just, I feel like Iowa jumped out to the huge lead and then they got way too conservative in the second half. It's like, I, I felt like this was a game that Iowa could have really made a statement in, but they, they just didn't, they, they went with, they went with what they're comfortable doing, which was saying, Hey, we're up 20 to six. Let's just, you know, kind of Georgia Georgia style, let's smother them.
2: Let's hold on. Let's win the damn game. Seems I felt to like- me they got the perfect amount of conservative. They, <laughs> I mean, they won the game, right? <laughs> missed field goal, missed extra point. So I'm just saying, they got a little too conservative. I would have liked
0: to have seen them finish through the third quarter before taking the foot off the gas.
2: Yeah, I, the the AJ Epinesa tr- takeaway was, was my big takeaway too. Uh, every time I turned his game on, AJ Epinesa was doing something. Mm-hmm. He was getting a sack. He was getting a pass deflection. He was affecting an arm. Uh, you know, that that he's a beast. And sometimes, you know, I don't know, like he. I don't know why he doesn't show up sometimes, but it, like every time you watch him individually, you're, you you see why he's so good. Um, so he's going to be a first rounder. I, I think I, I think this game was validation enough of that.
1: Oregon up 28 to six. Still covering, Tom. It'll
2: be a little tight. It'll be a little tight.
1: It's still covering for right now.
2: Yeah.
1: Come on come on cats bear uh, down boys so is Minnesota um so the with Minnesota losing the Big Ten West race still includes Illinois correct
0: no oh. nope Wisconsin winning today pretty eliminated both Iowa and Illinois mm. got it so it it's really it's Wisconsin has to win out or it needs. Minnesota lose to Northwestern and then it'll come down to just the Minnesota Wisconsin game. But if Wisconsin loses any game and Minnesota wins another game, it's it's Minnesota's. Like because of the tiebreakers, Iowa doesn't have the tiebreaker against Wisconsin. So it can't win the division and Illinois needed, you know, way too many things to happen for it to actually be alive.
1: I enjoyed a good football game in state college, though I imagine if you were a Penn State fan, this was a bit troubling, uh, Barton. How do we? How do do we have anything to take away? Because Penn State's in a little bit of a, a strange spot. You know, we've got the Ohio State game coming up one week from today. Indiana coming in off the off week. Kind of a lot going on for the Nittany Lions week after they take their first loss. Uh, what were your big takeaways from Penn State, Indiana?
2: Well. All right, so we're one week removed from Tanner Morgan chucking up 339 yards uh, and three touchdowns through the air. And then this week, Peyton Ramsey goes for 371 mm-hmm. through the air. Uh, you still got Ohio State coming up here. Justin Fields can throw it around a little bit. I just think... I mean, this Penn State team is still really good, um, but I think we know who they are at this point, point. and that is not an eleven and one team. It's probably no, it's probably ten and two team, um, and it's a ten and two team with some some holes in the pass defense, and. And some elite
1: athletes and, like, some (laughs) unique individual, Like, Micah Parsons is ridiculous. Did you see his goal line stop uh, in the first half, I think? It was like a pass pass to the tight end. Tight end's trying to lean towards the goal line. Parsons is, like, maybe five yards away, has his eyes on the goal line, so he runs directly along the line and just throws his body weight into the tight end, pushes him out of bounds, and he falls back a yard. I mean, it was just – closing speed, force, mass, acceleration is great.
2: So I've 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 tried to do that before. Just listen to the way you describe that play. Where you keep
1: your eyes on the goal line and you're just trying where, to make the stop. Where I'm like,
2: "All right, this running back is is is, is heading for the pylon. I can't meet I can't take an angle and meet him deep in the end zone. I can only run like straight across the goal line and try to tackle him." And if you Google my name and uh, I, I don't know, probably Harvard or something.
1: Uh, oh, no, see, not against you'll,
2: Harvard. You'll see, you'll see the picture of how that, that play ended, which is me on the ground looking up at Clifton Dawson jumping six feet in the air after he scores a touchdown.
0: Oh, I'll look at number three there. Oh, no, it is.
2: Did you jump behind it that quick? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: oh, man.
2: Anyway <laughs> <laughs> not sure why I cheated myself for, up for that. Um, but anyway yeah they got some good athletes on uh, Penn States team.
1: Um, all right so uh, where else do y'all want to go as we're uh, as we're sitting here getting the notebook all dumped out?
2: Well obviously there's no reason to talk about Clemson because they just beat a, <laughs> a seven and two wake team by 49 points.
1: So they've hit 45 points every single time since the North Carolina game. And remember, they had an off week right after the North Carolina game. So since their midseason off week in early October, they've had six straight games where they've hit 45 points on the scoreboard. And the last four of those six games, they've beaten their opponent by 40 points.
0: Do you, you want to play fun with the Clemson box score?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jamie Newman, 6 of 14 for 41 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Oh Chase Bryce, who is not Clemson's starting quarterback. <laughs> 5 of 8, 76 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. So Clemson's backup quarterback threw for 35 more yards than Wake's starting quarterback did. <laughs> Yeah, Wake had 105 yards of offense in this game. Had five first downs. It was two of 13 on third down. Averaged 2.1 yards per play, 1.7 yards per rush.
1: It's the—I mean—the real secret about Clemson right now is that, for all the hand wringing that was done about uh, Trevor Lawrence early in the season, this team is contending for a national championship because it has an elite defense and an elite offensive line.
0: Mm-hmm. and I know Sage Surratt was hurt and that affects Wake but keep in mind that until like last week Wake was the second best team in the ACC and Clemson said okay
1: <laughs> oh and uh, so it was senior day in uh, Death Valley last home game of the season Clemson is now 11 or no offensive line ton of seniors on that group uh, along that group do y'all know what the uh, record is right now for the four year senior class at Clemson?
2: No.
0: 52 lot,
1: and three. <laughs> Is what? 52
0: and three. Yeah. yeah. By the way, another fun stat T Higgins today had four catches, three touchdowns.
1: <laughs> 52 and three. These seniors <laughs> have played 55 college football games and they've won 52 That's a lot of, of games. them. It's nuts.
2: So. All, all due respect, Clemson. Um, I haven't watched been, haven't watched a lot of your games recently, um, and it's not because I haven't wanted to, but because you know there's a lot of games on, and when you are up thirty five nothing in the first quarter, I kind of got to move on. So I I get a lot of my Clemson news just by following Anna Hickey's Twitter account, and uh, just a few of her tweets today after the game. Uh, Oh, gosh.
1: Shout out to Anna, by the way. Yeah,
2: Trevor Lawrence since the second quarter of Louisville to now. uh, Five games. 86 of 111, 77% for 1,265 yards, 16 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Dabo, quote, people spend a lot of time saying we don't play anybody. They don't really pay a lot of attention to how we play. Dabo on Trevor Lawrence, quote, he's playing like the best player in the country. I don't think he was playing like the best player in the country early, but he was still the best player in the country. Um, Dabo's pretty good at playing this card, and he's but he's right. I mean, let's we got it all out of our system. All our Clemson's, Clemson's just a product of the ACC or whatever we wanted to say. Everyone's guilty of it at one point. Let's just all agree. Everywhere around the country, let's hold hands and agree, Clemson is back to the same old Clemson. They're their last year Clemson. I mean, you don't think they could lose, but they're last year Clemson. And if someone's going to beat this Clemson, they're going to have to be good enough to beat last year Clemson.
1: Mm. I like the way you said that.
2: And
0: I'm going to say now that I'm going to be annoyed when Ohio State and Clemson play in a semifinal.
2: Uh, yeah. Agreed.
1: Because you think that they are potentially the two best teams in the country.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, it's LSU for the resume and all that stuff. LSU deserves to be number one. I just don't think they're the best team in the country.
1: Yeah. And Clemson probably wins that Ohio state game. 31, <laughs> nothing.
0: It might. I mean, damn, I mean, they're really good. I, 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 I've watched, I would say 80% of the Clemson I have watched this year is on the DVR, which is a testament to exactly what Barton was saying, because there's really not a whole lot of reason to watch them live.
1: But when you watch it on the DVR, it's still awesome. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot of double speed watching, too, because there's... (laughs) it's like okay well let's see it's like you just kind of fast forward through it and oh wait okay stop and go back and watch that one in regular state. well
1: all right so we, we spend a lot of time glossing over it but the fact that tanner muse is an like excellent 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 college football player right now or that you know Kayvon wallace is really solid there's i mean you know we brent venables does a great job of coaching these guys up but i'm pretty sure that tanner muse got chewed out today because he broke assignment to make an interception of jamie newman like everyone celebrated the interception and then it looked like Brent Venables was like, okay, I understand, but tell me exactly what you saw to make you do that. Because if I you had missed that interception, you were giving up a touchdown.
0: I, I saw the ball coach <laughs> and I said, I'm gonna go get that ball. And that's what I did.
1: They're just, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Isaiah Simmons is like looking like a top five, top 10 draft pick. Nah, this is uh Clemson's nasty. Um, okay, let's see, looking down the Florida made easy work of Missouri. Um do we want to pour one out for the UNRTY? Hey,
2: it's gotta lose. It, no no one ever said it wasn't ever gonna lose. Okay. Just you know, it's gotta lose sometimes. Just keep keep everybody honest.
0: Still right, sixty seven percent of the time. Right. It,
2: um It was in the mix.
1: Um, I, I had to live blog that game, which was a whew, real attention tester. but well, uh,
2: so uh, the thing my, my takeaway from that game, not takeaway, but one of my issues with observing it is I felt like every time I looked up because I was that was a secondary game on my on my screens. but every time I feel like every time I looked up, uh, Florida had the ball again. It just felt like Missouri must not have been able to possess the football that effectively. Yeah, they didn't do anything on offense.
1: Yeah, one for seven on third down in the first half. I think they finished like five for 15 overall. Uh, Florida was allowing them to have all of the line behind – all of the behind the line of scrimmage passes, all of the little like two to three-yard passes, and they were doing a great job of rallying to the ball. Uh, But – so it was like Kelly Bryant had one of those things where he was you know fourteen for eighteen passing, but averaging only seven yards in an attempt and only had two passes of more than twenty yards.
2: Mhm
0: It was a very Kelly Bryant game,
1: yeah, classic Kelly Bryant. Defense has no respect for the downfield pass. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, uh, all right. Texas uh, no, no, loss? No, no, no. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There, yeah. Okay. I wanted to make sure you didn't gloss over that one. No, 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 no. We got some we got some people in the Twitter mentions uh, you know, kinda taking shots at Sam Ellinger. Maybe maybe the maybe the icon is not so iconic anymore. <laughs> if Ellinger if Ellinger's on the chopping block, you know things are going bad in, in, in Austin. That's that's um Look the the react. Look, I, what I really think about this game is that the Big Twelve's tough.
1: Oh, really? Is that no, 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 no. I I think that this is a fascinating look at Tom Herman. I think that this loss is some. Uh, this this was a game that I think Texas probably should have won. As as you know. Banged up as this team is, as, as different as it looks versus the one that was playing neck and neck with LSU in September, I think that this was a winnable game for Texas. And this was a chance to really spin the second half of the season in a different direction. And this is a fascinating look at Tom Herman because the Tom Herman experience is a lot of fun when you're winning 10 games but that ignores the fact that they were losing four. And now this team is six and four. And I think the Tom Herman experience just doesn't have the, the same. It doesn't hit the same when the team is not winning 10 games. You know what I'm – does Does that make any sense? Like I'm, I'm fascinated. Yeah,
2: yeah. 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 Yes,
1: I'm fascinated to see where Texas is at because this was a winnable game. And there have been a couple this year that have been winnable, and I don't think the Big 12 is tough is an excuse for the Texas Longhorns, for these Texas Longhorns, to be losing these close winnable games.
2: Yeah. Me, I, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Have at it. I, I,
0: I was going to say Texas losing on the road to Iowa State is just a very Texas thing to do, no matter who's coaching. <laughs>
2: Texas is six and four. That's just – so, and it's got – let's see. Who does it even have left? It's got, it's got, got Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, it's got at Baylor. But, I mean, they could they could certainly win that. I just don't know how – I, I really don't know how to feel about this Texas team because I, I think it's – you have to be fair and acknowledge all the energy they've had. Um, and, and I don't know – I need to do a little deeper autopsy here on – how much Tom Herman and Texas should be to blame for the lack of depth or options at running back. But when I look up in this game, and Sam Ellinger is your leading rusher with 27 yards, and your second leading rusher is your true freshman quarterback converted to running back with 18 yards, and Keontae Ingram, your star freshman from last year has eight rushes for, uh, for nine yards. Like what's going on with that? I just, I need to, I need to, I need to learn a little bit more about how we got to this. Text- well, because
1: point. you're right. Like we're not. So the, the losses are at TCU, which if you were to go into the season and you were say, Hey, uh, you, you might lose in your, yeah, oh,
2: oh, by the way, TCU is going to catch you this year. You are right. Like that's, right. That would be like, oh, okay. Okay. Right,
1: fine. Gary Patterson always gets his team up for Texas. He's had an advantage against the Longhorns since they joined the Big 12. That makes sense. Or even, like you said, Tom, you're going to lose at Iowa State. If you were to introduce that as an individual fact heading into the season as a Texas fan, I think you'd take it. You're like, all right, yeah, that's a very Texas thing to do. But I just, the the product is unimpressive. I'll say that. The Texas football product is unimpressive right now.
0: I, I just think that it's adorable that Texas is basically just trying to be Texas A and I think that Yikes. they, I think they miss <laughs> each other, and they refuse to admit it publicly. But subconsciously, they're the same damn team.
2: Let's see. This is how many years? Let's see. Matt Campbell's this fourth year for Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Um, what is is this fourth year for Tom Herman too? Third, third year for Tom Herman. I
0: think so. It all blends together.
2: I know. Yes, this Uh, is third. Yeah. And then, and so
1: he was six and six regular season in his first year. Wins the Texas Bowl after taunting Drew Locke.
0: (laughs) I remember (laughs) that.
1: Goes uh, nine in. 9 and 4 regular season. So 9 and 3 regular season, loses the Big 12, Big 12 Championship game, wins against a Georgia team that had all its draft picks resting, wins the Sugar Bowl, finishes top 10, 10 and 4. Now they're 6 and 4.
0: But their four losses again have been a TCU team on the road which respectable an Iowa state team that like Texas is six and four, but you know, like Vegas power ratings much higher on Iowa state than, you know, the regular rankings will be to Oklahoma and LSU. So I don't think you could beat them up too badly. Although I don't think that you can't, I don't want to make excuses for it either because it's, you know, if, if you're Texas, you didn't hire Tom Herman, to come to Texas and have respectable losses. Just like Texas A&M didn't hire Jimbo Fisher to come to college station and have respectable losses. They're supposed to start winning these games. And you would hope that in year three, this is a game that Texas wins. You would See, hope. But, oh, right.
2: All right. But no, but that, that's what's so hard about this is, is you want to say, Oh man, Texas six and four. Oh wow. They suck. And man, Tom Herman is not who we thought he was. And, but I, I think like we all know better than that. I think, well, I, I think don't, we don't want, like, I don't yeah, want, like, I don't, I don't want to fan, say that. Yeah. E- even the Texas fan who, who is emotional and in it is saying, cause I've got one that is, is, you know, my editor at, for 24 seven is a Texas fan, Trey Scott. And he's like, ah, like he's like freaking out. And I, I think we can all sit here and objectively say look like Tom just said you lost to a Gary Patterson team on the road you lost to a good Iowa State team regardless of what the record says in Ames you lost to LSU in a close game in Oklahoma and all those games are close and you've had you've been ravaged by injuries and you know what guys it's it's everything's going to be okay you still have a good coach you still have a good team you have good players you've had some bad luck this year and this is this is just how it goes until we get things running on the level we were wanted to be which is Clemson Alabama Ohio State we're we're still we can still be on the path to that where we are right now i think you i i i believe that
0: and this is still a team that's very banged up like there was no Colin Johnson today. We we know the the, de- the how the defense has bad injuries. I think that this is again. I don't want to make excuses. It's they still should be better. They're still it's still Texas and Texas is better than it has been. And I can understand why Texas fans would be frustrated with it not being better yet. But I think if you look at it in the context of everything else, I don't think six and four is as bad as six and four looks because let's be real. If they beat Baylor next week, are any of us shocked? No, no.
2: not at all. So, they might be favored, like God, yeah. they won't be favored because it's on the road. But I mean, that's like they'll be, they'll probably be the public favorite. Like I bet the public will be all over them.
0: Yeah, like this is still a team that can get to nine and four.
1: I'm just saying the Tom Herman experience isn't quite the same when you're losing four games a season.
2: So I, I don't disagree with that.
1: That is all I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's a lot to deal with, and it would be a lot easier to swallow if my man was going ten and two. Or okay,
0: cool, hook him.
1: Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um. All right. Uh. Anything? We've been going for 82 minutes. Anything else?
0: Uh. Quick shout out to both rice. And New yeah. Mexico State getting on the board with wins today. Chip, you had Rice as one of your locks. They not only covered, they got it done on the field. And now we must root for Akron, the only team remaining in the country without a win.
2: Um, big big day today for the Yale Bulldogs.
0: Ooh,
2: beat Princeton fifty-one to fourteen. But Damn. simultaneously, Dartmouth. Got upset by Cornell, Dartmouth, the top 10 FCS team. Upset by Cornell means that if Yale beats Harvard next weekend in the game, then it clinches a share of the Ivy League title. Mm. The Bulldogs.
1: And if you get a share, you get a conference championship sweatshirt made by Gildan.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They're... A share is all you need. In the Ivy League, everybody wins. (laughs) If you get a share, you are a champion. You hang a banner
1: (laughs) if you get a share.
2: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. He is Barton Simmons. Be sure to follow him for all the updates for the hate week heading into the game. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
0: Thank Thank you.
3: closes, another opens. The 2020 Fantasy Baseball season is over, but 2021 prep is just beginning. Join Scott White and me, Frank Stample, on Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, as we take an early look at position previews, review mock drafts, and react in real time to the MLB hot stove. Not only that, we'll be welcoming in some of the best guests in the industry to try and figure out what was real and what wasn't from the abbreviated 60-game season. Listen Tuesdays and Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found.